What is up, guys? Welcome back. I hope that you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I hope that you've had a fantastic two weeks. Surprise, we ended up taking a week off last week. It's one of the things that happens when you have a day job. Stuff creeps up. But you know what? We're going to roll with the punches. We're back this week, and boy, do we have a lot for you. I am Chris, a Green Beret medic, a husband, and a father. I am Pastor Eric. I am in Wisconsin, and it is cold. <laughs> God's country. I'm telling you, Amen. tell them to turn off the air conditioner, you'll be fine. I know, but uh, Canada just keeps blessing us. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Coming at you guys this week, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving since uh, most of us are still, you know, in our tryptophanic comas afterwards, uh, trying to figure out what happened yesterday. going to debunk a couple of myths about the holiday, talk about where it really came from and why we really celebrate it, because I'm really tired of people telling me why I can't celebrate Thanksgiving. Screw you, man. All right. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about who's who and what's new, the latest headlines of the day. Things are getting pretty weird out there, but you know, we're here to ride the dragon. It's going to be awesome. And then yep. in the Bible's biggest screw-ups heading into our keeping the main thing, the main thing, we're going to talk about Demas. Who mm -hmm. is that? <laughs> He's mentioned in the Bible 3 times. Yeah, that's that's one of those Bible bowl questions for you know, you uh, Awanas out there. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, I'm ready to get into it. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Let's kick this pig. Here we go. <laughs> it's the same way about your mom and that stupid airsoft gun. Do you remember that? I do. What is up, guys? We are going to jump straight <laughs> into the big idea. Yeah. And for the big idea this week, hey, I'm going to debunk some Thanksgiving myths. All right. I am really sick and tired of, first of all, people just like taking a dump on Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is a great American a traditional holiday from the very foundings of our country. Uh, yes, it's it, our only true Christian holiday that we still have. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to debunk a couple things about Thanksgiving, and then I want to give my mm, theory as to why I think that uh, you're super left-wing, uh, progressively-minded, individuals uh want to bury thanksgiving so bad because i think i think there's a very specific reason to it i think there's a political reason and i think there's a spiritual reason to it but okay. here's what i want to start with right so what will they tell you about thanksgiving uh oh it's a terrible colonial uh holiday it celebrates you know the white man uh taking advantage of and driving out the indigenous peoples or the native americans uh oh it, it represents uh you know colonialism it represents uh conquest um you know, like, so what, is, what are some of the other lies? Oh, the Native Americans did not get along very well uh, with the colonials. Um, you know, like, they were only being taken, taken advantage of. And on and on and on it goes. When you celebrate Thanksgiving, this is what one person I heard say on the internet earlier this week, and it really uh, 
put a bee under my my bonnet. They said when you oh, okay. when you celebrate Thanksgiving, what you're really celebrating, uh, you know, is the conquest of the indigenous people of the United States, and the murder of na- of of innocent Native Americans. Like, first of all, don't tell me what I'm celebrating when I do a thing. Right, like that—that that really irritates me. Like right off the bat, don't tell me what I'm celebrating. I know what's in your mind. Yeah, yeah, exa- <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Because that only ever goes one way. You know how that works, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you don't tell me what I'm celebrating on Thanksgiving, and I won't tell you that you're ugly. How about that? <laughs> so, so anyway, just like, I won't tell the police what you're smoking. How about <laughs> yeah, that? <laughs> well, there's a lot of places that don't matter anymore. That's so, <laughs> true. So, it's true. Uh, true. Here I have a a resource that I wanted to show you guys. I got a book right here. It's pretty cool. It's called uh, The American Story. Oh, your mic shorted. Your mic. Shorted. Oh no. Am I back? Hello. Don't have you. I I got me on my side. So I think they don't have. I think you. your ears shorted. I think your ears shorted. It's your ears, dude. It's not my mic. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's your ears. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I shorted. <laughs> yes. That's what, oh, that was totally me. That's what everybody. I'm trying. I shorted. <laughs> that's what I'm over here trying to tell you. I'm like my levels are good. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. leave. I'm gonna leave that in because that's okay, that's real. All right. Anyway, so so our malfunction is is uh, produced. It, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's uh, baked into the cake, as it were. It, it anyway. just tells you. It just tells you how how um, authentic. Authentic we're being, yes. Anyway, so you can hear me now, right? So anyway, I got what I got for you guys this week is a pretty cool resource. We'll go back up to the top here. This is called The American Story. It's a history book that I use uh, as part of the curriculum because we homeschool my kids here. It's written by uh, co-authors David and Tim Barton. Now, they run an organization called The Wall Builders out of Aledo, Texas. Have you ever heard of them? Seems to me I have, but I don't know why. All right. So the Wall Builders is a 501c3 organization. It's a living and growing. Well, part of what they do is the organization. They're dedicated to preserving the true constitutional history of the United States. And to that end, they have a living and growing library, which they teach out of and give lectures out of and uh, run uh, university and classes out of, but they have hundreds of thousands of original source documentation in that library from the founding fathers uh, and from the colonial period, stretching from uh, the early 1900s all the way back uh, into the even into the 1600s. It's really incredible. They have a ring in just just to show you like the the level of you know authenticity that they possess inside handwritten letters uh from alexander hamilton being transcribed to from george washington during the revolutionary war they have the original documents there Mm. in the library they have a ring that was worn it was donated to them by one of the descendants of alexander hamilton that was worn by him after the death of george washington that has a locket of george washington's hair in Mm. in the ring that they have still there absolutely incredible 
and what is really, really cool about them, I'm not just trying to shill for them in this episode, but I just want you to understand that when I'm reading to you from this book that I'm getting ready to source uh, some stuff out of, there are absolute footnotes in this book that go straight back to source documents from the time right, that this book is referencing. So if you want to get mad at me and you're saying, oh, that's just right-wing revisionist history, no, it's not. Go check out wallbuilders.com. You can listen to their podcast. You can go look at it. No, this is actually stuff that was written down by our founding fathers in their hands. Uh, right. This is what I'm talking about. So you can go get bent, all right? Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, if... <laughs> Uh, especially if you read, you know, a brief history of the world, if that's like where you get your stuff from. Okay. So (laughs) that's it. We need to start there. All right. So anyway, so I'm going to read to you just a little bit from this book, uh, talking about, you know, the famous Thanksgiving and, uh, why we celebrate this day. So with Squanto's help, we all know who Squanto was, or hopefully we do. If you remember from like sixth grade social studies, the original Wampanoag, uh, Indian man warrior that helped, uh, the, Puritans or the pilgrims uh, learn how to plant corn and all that jazz that got them mm-hmm. through their first deadly winter, right? Mm-hmm. The pilgrims harvested sufficient food for their upcoming second winter. They had no surplus, but things definitely looked up much better than they had the preceding year when half of the colonists had died. died. Half of them Correct. did not make it through that mm-hmm. first winter. All right, so Governor William Bradford, therefore, appointed a day of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. for they had much... Uh, for which to be grateful. They now had a place where they could freely worship God. Yes, that is why our fathers came to this land. It was the whole reason for coming. <laughs> they had they had survived their first year in the wilderness of New England, and with Squanto's help, they had reaped a good harvest. Grateful for these blessings, the pilgrims invited their Wampanoag neighbors to celebrate and give thanks to God with them. Invited their neighbors to come and give thanks right. to God with them. Right. Chief, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize. Chief Massasoit and some 90. Very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> One part of a word at a time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some 90 of his men came and feasted with the remaining pilgrims. Uh, footnote there, uh, but I'm not going to follow it. So the pilgrims and their Indian neighbors dined on deer, turkey, fish, lobster, eels, Vegetables, cornbread, herbs, berries, and pies. Daggone, man. Surf and turf? I, it sounds pretty good, except for the eel. Well, and here's the here's the part, too. Uh, the pilgrims barely had, according to what I just read, they, they, they didn't have great harvest. They weren't bountiful. They, they had collected enough for the winter. So where do you think all of this food that I just described came from for them to have this, this feast to be thankful for what they had? Right. Right? So— Right had to be provided by their by their neighbors, the Native American neighbors, right? So uh, they also engaged in athletic competition, including running, wrestling, and shooting. It's pretty cool. Chief mm-hmm. Massasoit enjoyed himself so much that he and his men stayed for three days. Three days they stayed and partied. Yeah, because the, the, there was enough food there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Refrigerator empty. We go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more whiskey. We go home. <laughs> A common narrative today, right, is that Indian the Indians hated the colonists because of their land-grabbing practices and general racist disdain for the natives. 
However, the first Thanksgiving shows this claim as both illogical and completely unfounded, right? Mm -hmm. After all, the 53 remaining pilgrims, 53 pilgrims. Now, do you remember how many Native American men showed up? 90. We're, we're, comp, uh, we're comprised of four women, 14 young boys and girls, and 13 infants of the 53. Only 22 men. All right. On the other hand, the 90 Indians were all warriors. Mm-hmm. All right. If there had been ill will, the Indians could have eliminated the pilgrims in a matter of minutes. On the spot. But they did not. Um, if there was some level of angst or whatever, they just couldn't, wouldn't have showed up and let nature do its job. They already lost right. half of them. Right. Uh, right. You know, let's see how they survived this. They winter. ain't going to make it through this winter. There's only 20, no. there's only 22 dudes left. Yeah. So for sure they were friends. The pilgrim story is one of many demonstrating that the modern portrayals of early colonists are often inaccurate. By the way, this was not the first Thanksgiving in America. Dun, dun, dun. There had been several others prior to this one, but only as occasions of prayer. Right? This pilgrim event birthed the tradition of Thanksgiving as a time that includes not only prayer, but also feasting and athletic events. Uh, And then if you knew enough about American history, you would know that it wasn't instituted as a national holiday in the United States till the 1800s under Abraham Lincoln, my personal favorite of the presidents up there with Teddy Roosevelt and George Washington. Um, And there you have the actual history of the day of that we celebrate to this day as being Thanksgiving. And the concept is not an American concept, but rather a Jewish concept (laughs) over there known as the feast of tabernacles. It takes more than just a week in order to do it, but it's to give God thanks for the bounty of the harvest. So it's like, where did the, where did the uh, pilgrims get the idea to do a feast as as a sign, a show of thanks for the harvest of the bounty that they had. You're right. It come that actually comes from the Bible that they carried with them. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Looking into Jewish tradition. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so there you guys. There you go. Uh, and you guys, uh, if it ever gets muddy for you, or you got to kind of cut through the smoke and all of the the BS that people throw at you about Thanksgiving. Uh, it seems that really, and this is kind of getting sad, but really Thanksgiving is not is being overshadowed even by Black Friday, you know, which is which is. Well, yes, um, I, I I started at the beginning of this segment by saying that it's the last of um of trish, true Christian holidays yeah. in in our country in our culture. Uh, all the rest of the holidays have been overrun, including Easter. Yeah, Easter is not about the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what Easter is supposed to be about. Easter, uh, Easter is about the spring sales, and um, right. yeah, we don't. Uh, Christ doesn't show up. Christ well, they, doesn't show up in Christmas. They don't even call it Thanksgiving and Easter break from school anymore. Now it's no now it's spring and right. fall break. 
Yeah, spring and fall break uh, used to be Easter break and and fall break. Um, But it's hard with the name Thanksgiving. It is awful hard to get rid of the the Christendom that is in it, because as um, your brother likes to say to me rather frequently, okay, you're giving thanks. To who? Yeah, and over what? <laughs> well, the very idea—the very idea that you should be grateful or thankful—is an innately <laughs> to whom for what? Right, that is an innately Christian ideal that you mm-hmm. have something and that you should be grateful for the blessings that you have. That is not a like. Where did those blessings come <laughs> from? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why do you feel that way about the stuff that you have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. So you made the point that I was going to make that I said that I believe that there's a spiritual and a political reason that Thanksgiving right. is trying to be erased. And you absolutely hammered on the spiritual point. You know, at a certain level, people just don't like God. They don't like Jesus. They don't like the idea that maybe right. there's somebody out there that says how they should and shouldn't live. And so that would cause them to maybe feel or not feel guilty about the things that they do. So they just really want to strip right. him out of absolutely everything that they can and anything that yeah. reminds them of him there. So there's a, there's a certain amount of that. And okay. What about the political? I'm a little curious. What What's that? Yeah. So in doing my own research to get ready for this segment, there was a name that popped up in that, section that I was reading, the original mayor of the Pilgrim Settlement. His name was William Bradford. Bradford. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the Pilgrims first came over and established Jamestown Colony, um, Massachusetts, right, they... um, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, Oh, Jamestown. Jamestown's not in Virginia? Well, Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. I I, I may have gotten the, the name of the... The, the first settlement. Yeah, they wrong. landed. Sorry. Pilgrims are at Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. I apologize. Thank you for the real-time correction. But when, when they first landed, they, in building their settlement, they instituted a very, and, and again, understand that they, they are Puritans by faith, right? They instituted a very socialistic society to where the, the entire, um, well, it was a commune. I was trying to find another word to to use from that settlement. The entire settlement was basically a commune. It was communally owned by all of them. And in order to work together to survive the harsh New England uh, climate and winter, they took all of the food, all of the crops that they grew, and they cohabitated them and then parceled them out so that everybody got an equal share of everything that was harvested and grown, all the fish, mm-hmm. all everything. That was the system that they originally instituted. Yeah, they issued a instituted a socialistic institution. What happened to it? Right. Uh, half of them died. <laughs> they didn't, they almost didn't make it through that first winter. And William Bradford right. took it upon himself. And if you go back and read his, his diary, which they, they still have the writing, they still have, he, and... he said that part of the reason they didn't have enough supplies to last that first winter was because the people in charge of farming weren't producing enough. The people that were in charge of fishing weren't gathering enough. Uh, the people that they had in charge of mending clothes and, and so on, they so had more people 
pulling on the resources right. then they had that resources. they had resources because the people did not get uh, they didn't put enough work in right. to prepare for everybody. Right. And William Bradford in his own writing stated that he felt that the reason was because the people didn't have sufficient enough motivation because they didn't have ownership of anything to to put hard work they weren't incentivized to work above and beyond because they right. knew no matter how hard they worked they were going to get an equal share of whatever was in there yeah whatever was took, in the kitty at the end right they took socialistic uh economics with communistic um government politics yep. and put together their Commune. commune in that in that instance it really would be a commune and not a settlement it was a commune and it was a religious commune in, in mm -hmm. that a little correction uh we're talking about bradford so this is the pilgrims you use the word puritans Excuse that's me. a different okay that's a different community right. apologies apologies thank you okay right. so heading into that second winter that we just read about the first thanksgiving william bradford mm -hmm. decided and through that that preceding spring and summer to redistribute the land and give the tracts of land ownership to the individual families that were left. And he told them, whatever that you produce on this track of land will go to you and your family. It's yours. So there were certain things that they still communally worked together for their defense Defense was a community thing. The men all worked to defend the settlement. Now, at this point, we will call it a settlement, not a commune. Um, mm -hmm. But everything else went to you and your family. One other thing. Worship. Oh, the worship. Corporate worship. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and they were still expected to tithe because remember they were a religious society. So there was a certain amount of tithe that, that went into the church with the worship and that there, salt was seen as worship. Right, and, mm -hmm. and there is actually where they drew from for if there was a family going through that second winter that didn't have, wasn't able to put away enough grain, had a, a poor harvest, had a whatever. It came out of those stores to see that that family had enough. The, the church, oh my gosh, took <laughs> care of the needy to make sure that yes. they were well done. So in, in this story of the first Thanksgiving in the first two years of the original American settlement, you see a failed socialistic system turned into a capitalistic system where ownership of the land Actually, I'm going to get very Lockean on you right here, guys. If you guys are ready oh, to okay. keep up with me. The ownership of the means of production was pushed to the individual instead of kept uh, at the government level where it was originally. Mm -hmm. Even though it was a very tiny government, still mm -hmm. it was at the government level. That The ownership of the means of production was pushed to the individual. And then going into that second winter, not only did they have enough saved up because they each individually worked for their own family and their own needs and their own goods. They were incentivized to work harder because they had ownership. They had stake in the things that they were producing, that they had enough going into the second winter that they were able to even have a bounty to have a Thanksgiving. Right. And so for these two reasons, because you can't strip God out of being thankful for the things that you have. And also covering up one of the most glaring 
examples of a failure of socialism. I, I be- it just about killed. Him. I believe it just about, just about wiped, just about out. wiped out us guys. No, 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 beginning. no, Plymouth, no, no America. Right. right. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked out this way. Um, and so and what was the name of the document that they sealed it with the Mayflower compact? Yeah, that's hey, it. Look at me. It's like, I, it's like I went to school. So anyway, but for these, for these two reasons, <laughs> for these two reasons, guys, politically and spiritually, this is why I believe that they're trying to get rid of Thanksgiving. They don't want you to, to remember what the true holiday, the birth of the holiday, where it comes out of. They want to sponge it from the record. Uh, they also want to take away one of our greatest American traditions. They really don't want people that are against Thanksgiving. These are the type of people that really don't want to, to see you be happy. They don't want to see you be comfortable. They don't want to see you have nice things. They really just want you to be as miserable, uh, as, as ugly, uh, and just as, you know, discontented with life as they are. But yeah, hold out friends, eat your Turkey. I hope that you're still eating cold Turkey sandwiches tonight. I, I hope that you guys until all, all next week, I hope you guys yeah. enjoyed watching the Packers spank the lions. That was certainly hey. fun. <laughs> Hey. And I hope that you guys had an awesome and an incredible Thanksgiving with the people that love you uh, and that you love the most. Because I know and that I'd I like to really quick just say something to our viewers and our listeners. We came up with this subject matter and had fun discussing it. But I, I would just like to challenge you if there's other things in debunking or subject matters or issues. Could you put them down in the comments and uh, make some suggestions for us? Uh, we would love to do that or make comments about what we said. We'd really like to hear from you. And now Chris is going to tell us the rest of the things that you need to do. Yeah, so make sure you like the video. Give it a thumbs up if you did like it is what I meant to say. Uh, share the video with a friend. The only way that we're going to grow is with your guys' help because the algorithms certainly don't like us, especially not with what we're talking about today. What do you see? Not that. Do you see the headlines coming up that I, that I go into. Uh, and please make sure you're sticking around for the who's who and what's new and the keeping the main thing the main thing. Can't wait to see you guys over there. See you there. <laughs>
You know, if you guys uh, have been listening to us for a while, then you know we used to be like crunch time, rapid fire, try to get through stuff in 10 minutes. Well, we're kind of opening that up now. We're doing more long form, you know, Joe Rogan style is what I ah! guess is in vogue. Uh, but yeah, like we, we like to spend a little bit of time talking about this stuff. And then, you know what? I grab some clips, more of the spicier takes or whatever, throw them over on Instagram for you guys. But long, sure. long form for the people that stick with us on, uh, you know, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts. And, and that want to hear a real show. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. All right. So number one, uh, I'm going to start off kind of, a uh, not good news, but this one I thought was. Hey guys, if you want to know where, where this stuff's going, uh, a pioneering approach. This is from Mount Sinai, uh, transgender medical clinic. It's a medical clinic of some time. Anyway, a pioneering approach to gender affirming surgery from a world leader in the field. So I'm going to butcher your name, doctor. I apologize. Miros, doctor Miroslav Djordivik, MD and PhD. Uh, oh, and it, oh inter- he's from the other world. I know where he's from. Okay. There you go. An internationally renowned surgeon and a leading authority on surgery for transgender individuals is developing a procedure to match two patients undergoing transgender surgery, one male to female and the other female to male. Um, you can't actually do that. <laughs> Whatever. And uh, transfer the genitalia between these live donors in a one-stage procedure instead of discarding them uh, as is done now. So they are actively working on basically taking the – go away, you – taking the uh, – Male genitalia. I'm just going to say it, guys. Genitalia. Yeah, the, the, the penis and the testicles off of a dude uh, and transfer them right over onto a female. Um, not quite sure. I'd be a little bit more interested to see how you're going to remove, uh, I would imagine, the breast tissue, obviously, from the female. But as far as like the... No, they would, they, they would remove the breast tissue, but they would not give the breast tissue to the male. Uh, they would enhance his estrogen and he would develop his own breast tissue. No, no, no. no. They're talking about moving... Transferring them, I'm telling you. That, really, I'm telling you. Uh, and then the the uterus um, and the, uh, the the full plumbing guys, they're trying to transfer between. You know they can't do the uterus, right? There's nowhere to go with it. You have well, to you have to cavitate that, the dude's abdomen out. X Y X Y would reject the uterus. I, he he would have organ rejection. I would be really well. You know, I'm sure they're going to figure out a way to put this square peg into the round hole. Uh, and that would be a thing. You know, I would challenge you guys, anybody that would listen to us. And uh, I mean, it's no, you obviously know where, where my stance is on this stuff. You know, if you have it, I'm just taking a sheer science. If you have it caught it before, uh, you know, just like you can't remodel a pizza hut and nobody like not know that it wasn't a pizza hut at one time. It doesn't matter what else you put in that building. If you were born a male guys, you were a male, like every uh, strand of DNA that you have in your body, every cell that you have has a Y chromosome in it. You are male, like to your core. And it doesn't matter what human surgeons change the plumbing to look like, or change the aesthetic of the outside to look like you're, you're still a male. Sorry. That's the way that God made you. All right. Right. And you realize everything that it takes to operate a uterus 
that he will have organ rejection. Um, the, what he, what they will have to do in order to make his body accept an organ that his body has never had. I, I this is going to sound funny because we don't think of a uterus as being a major organ, but you stick that tissue in a body that won't have it. You can end up killing this guy. Well, and, and, the way that that organ works, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you didn't, even if it miraculously, miraculously were to find a way uh, to keep that organ alive, then wouldn't by the nature of the organ uh, growing endothelium inside of it continuously, monthly, and then not being uh, endocrinologically told to sloth it off and to remove it, then wouldn't he run into like a life-threatening case of like he's got that endometriosis like everything there's so many problems that would run into this trying to make basically the the largest thing that they're running into is they are putting one giant cancer cell in in his body because what what cancer is is damaged uh, uh proteins that your body doesn't recognize and then ends up forming into tissue and they're forcing his body to take tissue that his body will not recognize because a male bodies don't have it. Yeah. It can't. And, and so basically, yeah, they're going to kill him with cancer. <laughs> basically they're handing him a tumor and putting it in his body. And if you guys want to look up something interesting, I'm not going to run down this rabbit hole any farther, but, but look yeah. up, uh, that's just science to what you and I are talking yeah, about. Look up the, that's just science. Look up the recidivism rate on so-called transgender surgeries. Yeah, that's a whole nother And look, issue. look up how often these people wind up, you know, back in the hospital uh, with infections, with all kinds of medical issues because of creating, you know, open stomas in their body that's not supposed to be there, sewing tissue on there, their body right. that's not supposed to be there. You can get, right. you go run, you know, you can call me a bigot all you want. It won't change a single thing that I'm saying. And if you're willing to open your mind to it, you can go look it up for yourself on the internet. I'm not lying to you. So I'm, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> exactly. And, and literally they are handing him a giant tumor and sticking it in his body. Well, so anyway, but I just wanted to, to show you guys where that whole, uh, so called realm of science is heading, where they're trying to go. Uh, I'm going to make my call here. Uh, I'm going to call my shot, but I guarantee you uh, eventually uh, it'll get tied into, you know, so-called reproductive care where people are going to be looking at, you know, women are going to be looking at the fetuses inside of them and be like, oh, well, if you can change the gender of something, I don't necessarily want to get an abortion. Can you change the gender of the baby as, as he's for, I don't want a boy. I want a girl. I guarantee you that's where this stuff is going. Well, well, that, that, that kind of weirdness, those, 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 you're, that's you're already call, happening. You're calling me a weirdo. I but let me, let me ask you this question about medical ethics. So if I wish we would that find doctor them again. <laughs> knowing with us knowing what cancer is, how it is caused when that doctor puts that organ back in him, uh, and forces his body to accept it so it doesn't reject that organ and he dies with cancer. 
is the doctor responsible, especially because of the knowledge that we have of how cancer is formed and what it is? Well, no, they're probably just going to offer a medically assisted suicide. Oh, God. Because that's what they're already doing it up in Canada. No, 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 no. I didn't think of it. You surprised me. That that's your I, I you just hit me with a. Oh, you're right. Well, I'm sorry. And, the, that's, and then, that's all. And then, that's all. I'm and not then disagreeing they'll with come up bit. with some asinine argument of, well, wouldn't you wouldn't you rather, you know, get 10 good years living as your true authentic self uh, than a mm. lifetime living as a lie? Tell me you tell me that's not the type of like asinine bass aquas arguments that they would give you. That's somebody that <laughs> you're in bounds. You're in bounds. <laughs> and, and, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, you're in bounds with your thinking with what, 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 what we're being told anyway. Anyway, I don't, I don't yeah. necessarily want to go right, further so, down that rabbit so, hole, but that ethics just it just hit me, yeah. you know? Yeah. So mm. anyway, uh, so put you down in the valley a little bit. I'm going to bring you up. This story really surprised me, and it was uh, incredibly encouraging. So this one's good. This one's pretty good. cool. So we're going to go back over to the Middle East uh, to Palestine. Find that on a map. So supernatural move. I know right where it I is. I know you. I know you do. It's it's a joke. So supernatural move of God in Gaza. This is from uh, the Christian. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. CBN. I can't remember. Is that the Christian Broadcasting Network? Christian Broadcasting right, Network. Yeah. Supernatural move of God in Gaza. Line the picture back up. Uh, as hundreds reportedly meet Jesus in dreams. So more than two hundred Muslim. It doesn't say it here, but the other report I said said men. 200 Muslim men in Gaza have reportedly asked to follow Jesus after meeting him in a dream. And in another, is it, read this tweet right here by a, a Michael uh, Lacona. This is two weeks ago. God is working in the midst of war. The news coming out of Palestine from the underground Christian ministries. Over the past two days, we have ministered to hundreds of fathers who have lost most, if not all, of their children in the war. As we moved these men to safety, we fed them, washed their clothes, and began to read the Bible to them, sharing the way of peace through Jesus. Then, a big miracle happened last night. Jesus appeared to more than 200 of them in their dream. This is going to take me over to... Um, you got a date on that? This is this is during these November 50 10th. days of war, no, right? November, November 10th. 10th. November 10th. So when he said last night, mm -hmm. is November 10th yeah, the maybe. last night or the 9th? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that specific, but it be in between those days, is that what he's saying? I, I believe so. I believe so. This is awesome. Jesus appeared to more than 200 this. of them in their dreams. They have come back to us to learn more from God's word uh, and are asking how to follow Jesus. So. Wow. So, so, and, and, and just a little bit more context uh, for those of you guys out there that maybe aren't as familiar with uh, Islam, uh, but for the Muslims, they, they really believe, uh, and it's, it's very, so what I'm looking for, like, like part of their tradition, because the way that the prophet Muhammad was delivered the, what they believe are the holy inspired words of the Quran from the angel Gabriel, I do believe was in a dream. Uh, and so as you go through a lot of their writings, it's very central to their faith because of the way that the the blessed prophet received the words that the prophets do speak to them in their dreams and so you'll you'll hear the imams talk about that quite a bit uh and so for 
for these these men, these Palestinian men who have lost everything in war being ministered to by these Christians in Israel, like there's so much that's going on with this soup right right here in the Holy Land. Uh, and then for them to say that Jesus, who they believe is a prophet, by the way, if you look, if you look into the Muslim tradition, they do believe that Jesus they accept that, him as a prophet and, and is accepted as a prophet, a good man. And they'll even tell you a holy man. Um, but the fact that Jesus appeared to them in a dream, 200 of them. So now you're starting to get into the, the realm of when God does providentially reveal himself in a miracle. And it's in ways that, you know, how can you prove that? Well, you know, one person says God appeared to them in a dream. They could be lying. Two people say God appeared to them in a dream. It could be a conspiracy. Five. <laughs> it could be a coincidence or a conspiracy yeah, you, to try. You start getting to 200. Um, and then as you read into this, you find that all of their dreams were eerily, eerily similar. The same. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus appearing to them saying the same thing in each of the dreams. And then they're coming back to find out more about this this man named Jesus thing. that appeared to, to me in his dream. The only thing that I wish that I could do is if I was there, I, I just want to be like, what, what did he look like? I just, I, I really want to know. How did you know, <laughs> How did you know it, it was, was Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. But here's the other thing and, and that proves um, the story is true is if I'm thinking this being the missionary group that's doing it, they are majority Anglo. Do you know what this these Palestinians think of Anglo's? The great Satan, man. <laughs> We're not. And they come back to the Anglo's to find out who Jesus is. That is not who they would turn to. No, no. Get what I mean? That's not written in the story, but I happened to, I got a good hankering that this group. Now, there's one other group that it might be, which would make it even twice the amount of miracles. Uh, if because it was there the, are Jewish, the Jews for Jesus. Jewish. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if they come back to the Jews and ask them who Jesus well, is, either. because now you're coming back to a group of people who they themselves, most of them do not believe in Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. They don't believe in that, and and yet they and did they hate them on top of it? That would be a double whammy. So not just the Anglo's, but if it was Jewish Christian missionaries, that would oh oh this is awesome. That is risen, that is awesome. Risen Jesus Inc. Risen Jesus Inc. I'm I'm researching here in the background as your Michael Lacona Risen Jesus Inc. Uh. See, Lacona, not necessarily a, a traditional Jewish Hebrew name, but that doesn't mean he's not. Um, well, I don't know too much about the organization, but there you go, guys, if you want to go out and look him up a little bit. But this, uh, he is the, the president of this organization, uh, Risen Jesus awesome. Inc. Uh, and that's where the tweet originated. Not a tweet, actually, it was on Facebook. Um, yeah. Facts matter, get them uh, right. Awesome. But, that just has connotations that that those men would go back to either Anglos or Jews that 
shared with them about Jesus to learn how to follow him. Uh, yeah, oh man. Anymore. So yeah, I, I wanted to share that with you because I understand that I, I knew that you would get uh, the profoundness and the weight of that. Um, but it's always cool to see God move in the midst of profound human suffering like that. Uh, and these are the types of people whose faith are born in war uh, and in struggle that will go on to be true world changers for the faith because they came, mm -hmm. they came to Jesus at their, at their lowest point when they had nothing else. Um, so, and you cannot take that experience away from them. Right. Cause remember the Bible even talks about itself who would die for a righteous man. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, and people are more likely to die for a righteous man, <laughs> for a righteous man, but still not, but, but not people many. won't die for a lie. Right. And so you can't take these, these guys have come back people. Yeah. It, they, they're not going to lay down their lives or, or if you threaten them with anything, but you can't deny there, that is reality to them and you can't take that away from them now. Yeah. And that's the profoundness that that goes along with it. By the way, over the past 10 years, there has been a couple of thousand people documented between Afghanistan, Iran and Iraq. There have been a couple of thousand people that are documented that Jesus has appeared to them in a dream. I think it's, I think it's incredible. And then you go back to, uh, earlier, that, but not 200 at one time, <laughs> er, you go back to earlier this year and the revival that was taking place at the, uh, the university. Wilmore. Um, um, yeah, now it's escaping me. Daggone. Yeah. It's named after one of our Methodist Moody? Asbury, Asbury, not Moody, Asbury, Asbury university. And, and that was really cool. Uh, you know, and the, the people started driving in and flying into that thing to go see what, what in the world be a, was, go, be a part was of that. going on. So get you some of that. Yeah. So, uh, second great awakening, great revival. Uh, I don't know, man, Aslan's on the move though. If you guys are, hey. if you guys are Lewis readers, but yeah, the, the Lord is on the move I love that uh, and it's, it's so cool. Uh, and yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting a little bit tingly, uh, reading about it. So hopefully, uh, we will get a chance here to be a part of something that he's doing. I really mm -hmm. do pray that. All right. So we're going to move on to the next story. Uh, going to go kind of back down in, into the gutter uh, a little bit here. Right. Sorry, but government is not listening. Anger over <laughs> immigrant. Yeah, so. <laughs> say it again. Tell me something <laughs> new. Say it again for the people in the back. Government is not <laughs> listening. Anger over immigration spills into riot on Dublin's streets. So this story has been ongoing over in Dublin. In, in Dublin. Um, the story is still ongoing. I believe as of right now, there's been 34 arrests at the time of this recording that uh, I saw in an update to this story. But just to catch you up on the facts on the ground, there was an Algerian immigrant, uh, unsure whether he was uh, a citizen of Ireland or if he's a, a migrant, but of Algerian origin that stabbed and injured a woman and I, I believe up to five children. I'm going to couch my statement. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in a nearby school, the men... Uh, me Young men in Dublin uh, took up uh, took quite a, an offense to that, as as they say, I... and ended up setting fire. So a, a riot quickly ensued, uh, and then as a result of the riot, fire was set 
to a hotel in downtown Dublin that is known to house uh, a lot of these migrants that are coming to the area. So the really interesting part here, again, as always, that I want to point out to you guys, is the coverage of the event here by the legacy news media, which has almost exclusively covered this story from the left. So if you go look at it, you won't, I would, it would, I would, you, excuse me. Wow. Let me back up, get a running start and try again. You would be you hard pressed to find a story that's going to tell you all of the facts that I just did, starting with the beginning mm-hmm. and giving you mm-hmm. the full context. Mm-hmm. What you will find are stories that are all about the so-called, and they're all calling them right wing, far right wing protests as a result of being angry about migrants. That's how this mm-hmm. is all being uh, couched, right? How it's all being described. Um, mm-hmm. There's no on, on the ground. They're saying there's there's no telltale that this is right wing, that this is left wing. This is Irish people in Dublin defending upset, Irish people. Yeah, upset that a foreigner stabbed and injured a, a woman and uh, five you children. Know- let me tell you what bother not bothers me. What what tell you? Let me tell you what astounds me. I guess Algerians aren't familiar with the IRA. I was just, you know, <laughs> it's hilarious that you that said that. That is a group of people I really wouldn't want to hack off. I mean, <laughs> that is hilarious that you said that because I told Hannah I was like. Do you, do you want the IRA? Because that's how you get the IRA. Like that's that, how you, they've been. They they're getting national on you. Irish sounds really <laughs> Scottish to me. I, I know. I whatever. Know. I crossed over there. It's, but it, but it is absolutely hilarious because they the the Brits have spent the last three, four, five decades uh, fighting the IRA ever since Ireland split. You know, because of, of Catholic mm-hmm. and Protestant mm-hmm. Ireland uh, and. They've never those they've guys, never fully closed them out. No, they've just they're no, kind of underground no. and still operating. And I'm like, that dude, this is I gotta be really careful how I say this. It would seem that this, you know, to a person that would be maybe sympathetic to the IRA, that this would be <laughs> their time. They're yeah. they're like, dude, that's all we what? need is the sympathy of the people. All I'm thinking is is hey, you know, there's a group of people called IRA and you don't want to mess with them because they're pretty stinking ruthless. <laughs> yeah, that 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 too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so so I, I I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking it must be a young dude that is has never doesn't know anything about the IRA history. Yeah. I man, I don't I don't <laughs> And they're nationalists too. Oh yes. I mean they're they're well, all so you take on you, you you mess with one of their people, their ladies, their women, uh 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 so anyway I'm just thinking All right say yeah this comes to my mind. Say, you're not from around here, are yeah. you? <laughs> how could you tell? You don't know how things work, how could, do you? How could you tell? <laughs> not my Guinness. All right. So anyway, <laughs> so moving moving right along. So you got, you know, uh, terrorism in Ireland. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about a little homegrown. So this, this story and the way that it, if you guys were paying attention to this in between bites of turkey, absolutely cracked me up we were, no sign, we were eating turkey yeah no wow what did those people do to us <laughs> no sign of terrorism this is nbc news no sign of terrorism and blast that killed two 
at U.S.-Canada border in Niagara Falls, Governor says. So if you go on to read the rest of the article. Governor of New York? Yes, Kathy Hochul. Holcomb. Hochul. Oh, gosh. Hochul. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. So now what's really funny is the way that this story developed. Again, if you were paying attention to your, your Instagram or uh, your Twitter or whatever, the way that I first saw it being reported on was blast at U.S.-Canada border. Terrorism event, two dead, one injured, right? Then it was, uh, I, I heard at one point that it was uh, Iranian dudes trying to run the border to go fight the CBP. <laughs> then I heard then I heard it was <laughs> Canadian terrorists <laughs> trying to run the border coming south. And I was like, Canadian terrorists. Canadian terrorists. False. Well, you Sorry. know, you know, you know, their their conservative people were called terrorists by their prime minister Trudeau. You know, he oh, yeah. he equated the the them to uh, terrorists. So then, for a little bit, there were images of an Iranian passport circling around on the internet. Said that it was the only thing that was found that survived the blast. Because paper paper passports are, right. you know, <laughs> explosion proof. So uh, and is, then, this, and then, is this going to end up being like Tennessee and we're going to end up finding out the truth like three years later or what? Well, and that's what I'm saying. So going back to the, to the article, right, now the way that they're wrapping it up, and it's just so weird the mm. way that this story developed. It's so weird. And there's so much to it that just doesn't pass the sniff test dude like on on the surface right so mm. but it's it the whole point of this is like trying to decipher like what the lies are <laughs> right so that way you know where to start digging well yeah so what's truth what isn't i don't well let's throw out the obvious lies right so okay. what we know two dudes in a car tried to run the the border came in at a high rate of speed, excess of seventy five miles per hour. Hit. Do we know which direction they were actually going? They were north, north, or were they coming they south? Were they were going north. Yes. Well, okay. So, uh, then oh yeah, and that was another funny thing too. Original reports said that there was like tons of explosives and found in the car. Now in this article, they're saying that there was no explosives found in the car. Nothing. Wait, 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 but it exploded. Is what the is what the FBI said. Yeah, and a giant fireball. This car just car just everybody went up knows. In now I I know we have Hollywood perspective, and so that may throw people off. But cars do not usually go up in fireballs when they catch even when they catch on fire. Right. Well, in here, I don't know if you can see this. It's kind of small. Uh, but. Pay attention. No, you don't have it up on my screen, so. Pay attention. Oh, my word. We've been doing this whole thing, and you didn't tell me that I wasn't. Let me, fit, let me fix this really quick. <laughs> why didn't you see? I thought it was, I, I thought it was your new style, Oh, no, why didn't you? Remember the speech, the speech uh, that you gave us at is, the beginning? Why did you say something? Can you see this now? Yeah, I can see it now. Okay, pay attention right here. You should have said something. All right, here we go. You've been doing the whole thing blind. I love it. All right, so pay attention up over here. Whoa, whoa, wow! So, do you see him hit this parking barricade? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. fly through. Uh, and then when he impacts into the wall, here you have. Let's see if it'll come up. Come on, come on. I have good internet. I promise. 
Okay. Yeah, okay. That, that's that's okay. Whatever, I'm not waiting around for it. But anyway, when they, when it impacts the wall, uh, it just goes up in a, in a massive... Dude, John Woo would be proud. Big fireball. Um, only okay. one CBP agent was injured, thankfully. But, yeah. Then the next question is, why did it explode? I'm just... just I'm telling you, and then and then and then the irate the whole Iranian passport thing that was that was found. Yeah, it's hinky. The whole thing is hinky. The whole it's just thing hinky. is hinky, man. And yeah. did you see the car do like the weird barrel roll because it hit the parking barricade at a weird angle? You know, it it to me the video looks like maybe whoever was in the car wasn't necessarily in control of the car. Because of the way that it comes flying in, like kind of going diagonally across the road, hitting a thing and then going airborne and doing a barrel roll because they didn't hit it at the right angle. It's just I'm telling you, man, the whole thing is weird. And then and then the FBI in Buffalo, the FBI Buffalo field office took over uh, and basically here that Wednesday is when it happened. And here we are. Friday is when we're filming this guys uh and they've got the whole thing wrapped up and turned over to the police department there in northern new york and they're like nothing to see here there's nothing to see here no no terrorism involved everybody go back about your day jobs <laughs> i'm telling you man yeah <laughs> i'm not buying it and there's no way of telling where the truth is that's what I'm on some of that that's what i'm saying yeah you you won't it just but I tell you what, tons of speculation. Oh my goodness, the, you can make up some stories off of that. This, this is the kind of stuff that uh, you know, conspiracy theory novels are are made of. Are made of John Grisham, are made Robert of. Ludlum. <laughs> like this is where it starts. Oh yeah, this this is this is juicy. This is real to life. Yeah. Um, um, all right. All right. Last one. You ready to laugh a little Here bit? Here we go. All right. So, yeah. so here's a video I got for you and I'm glad I got this fixed. I didn't know that you weren't being able to see my screen. Uh, this is a video coming out of, uh, the United States Senate here. Uh, this is, uh, last week, sometime last week. Like he's self-made. Can you hear that? All right. Sir, I wish you was yep. in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself and my wife was running the office. It's a Senator from Oklahoma, by the way. I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, stop it. <laughs> every no, no, sit down. Okay. Has it been about 120 years since we've seen a fight on the Senate floor? Hold on, like Can I respond? Mr. Hold Shim. it. Hold it. See, if we can't, no, I have the mic. I'm sorry. This is hold what he it. said. You'll have your time. <laughs> Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. This is a hearing. <laughs> like he's self-made. You really, uh. Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself. When uh, he's a fairly broad-shouldered man sitting there. He's a big um, dude, yeah. His name is his name is Senator Mark a... Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah, I've 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 seen him a couple of times. Um, he's he's a pretty big boy. Yeah. 
Uh, Mr. I'm not sure Mr. O'Brien. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, moving right along. I'm just saying, I wish they would have let. You know, there have been fights on the Senate floor before. Absolutely. It it's has, been about it 100 happened. years or so, yeah. but I, I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Now, this is the kind of stuff. Can we sell tickets to this? That's what I'm saying. This is the kind of stuff when they say make America great again. This right there, this baby. This is what I'm talking about. This guy, this Absolutely. guy gets it. And I wish, I wish, if dude, if when Senator Bernie Sanders sit down, you are a United States senator. You should like, <laughs> what's that got to do with the price of tea? Anything, China, man. You should have let him guy go. Got insulted, and he's going to get himself. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> I wish he would have let him do it too. I really wish they would have let him finish it. That would have, that would have been great. And I, and I really wish, like you said, uh, fights start breaking out in Sydney subcommittee subcommittee hearings again i'm i might actually watch some c-span <laughs> c-spans um uh, audience grows by two million i guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee it dude i guarantee it oh man next the only thing they could do better is put a cage around that senate hearing <laughs> things are gonna get good so well, that's what that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm telling you. I'm and it's it. free per view because yeah. it's on C-SPAN. <laughs> free per view, baby. <laughs> well, that's what we got for you guys this week on the who's who and what's new. A little bit longer because we were catching up uh, from the week that we missed. Hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. Hope that you are having yes. an awesome Thanksgiving weekend with those yes. that you love. And I hope that you guys stick around for the keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is where we're going next. Remember, leave the video a like and subscribe. Uh, if you support what we're doing here, please share the video with a friend. We're only going to grow with your help because the algorithms Absolutely. They certainly don't like us, especially after us talking about the that first story today. So, uh, yeah, that story. <laughs> anyway, uh, hope you guys are sticking around. We'll see you over in the keeping the main thing, the main thing. See you there. Wrapping up today, we are going to move into keeping the main thing, the main thing. And for the main thing this week, we're going to be looking at Demas. Who is that? Ah, Demas <laughs> is a, a guy in the New Testament. Uh, first off, you got to know who Paul is because Paul is the fellow who writes about Demas. You see, Paul has traveled around. He's been he has started. Oh, my goodness, uh, five, six churches, something of that nature, and uh, maybe even more than that. All uh, of the seven churches uh, that are spoken about in, or at least some of the seven churches that are spoken about oh, he in Revelation. Did, actually, correct? he starts all seven of the seven churches that's mentioned in the book of Revelation okay. and a couple of different ones. Um, just the other day, I hadn't realized it, uh, but there's one of the churches you think that the only place that you hear about it is in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. But um, in one of the letters that Paul writes, he says that I wrote a letter to the book of, uh, or to the church of Laodicea. And I have thought, hmm, 
man, I wish we still had that letter because that would go really, I'd like to compare that letter to what Paul wrote to the church as compared to what Jesus told John to write to the church. Hmm. I can't. Off the top of my head, is that the church that's referenced when it said that they have abandoned their first love? No, that's the church of of, um, Philadelphia. Mm, Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Not to be confused the, with Excuse Philly. me, Ephesus. Church of Ephesus um, abandoned their first love. The Church of Laodicea was the last of the churches written to, and they said that they're lukewarm. Lukewarm, Laodicea. I should have should have remembered that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, in one of Paul's letters, and I forget which, he he writes a. Um, it says that he wrote a letter to them, and I'm I was like, man, I'd like to see what Paul wrote them. That would be cool. <laughs> But Demas is mentioned in a couple of Paul's letters. Um, he mentions Demas in the book of Colossians um, as a name. He mentions him alongside of Luke. So uh, Luke, who wrote two books that are included in the New Testament, uh, both of those books are letters uh, to a guy by the name Dearest of Theophilus. Theophilus. Yeah. Yes, and he writes them. One is about the life and times of Jesus Christ. Do you know to... how I still remember that? Wow, oh. I'll never forget that. And I don't even know if they're still doing their thing. But if uh, John and Linda, John and Linda Baker. Baker are still doing the marionette thing, shout out to you guys if you ever see this. Uh, you made a profound impact on me when I was a young kid, but I still remember seeing that. And they go in with the little marionette, and he sits down, and he's like, "I'm writing to you, dearest Theophilus." And they presented the gospel from the book of Luke as Luke was writing it, which yep. always made a profound impact on me. So anyway, just yep. a random uh, memory from when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, it's but, a good memory. But it's a good you can memory. See it stuck. It you know, it's as still, it did, it's still as there, it did. So. So Demas is mentioned with him there. So so Demas has run around with some, I mean, he's rubbed elbows with some some good guys, some guys of the faith. I mean, ones that have been tested and and have stood time. In fact, uh, have stood so much that their their writings are included in the in the Gospels uh, or in in the canonized Bible. Uh, he's mentioned in the book of uh, Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it. And Paul calls him a fellow worker. So Paul puts him, he's on a nice pedestal. Okay. Paul has some great respect for him. Um, but we are getting ready to take a look at a, a piece of scripture uh, this the scripture that we're going to read, the story we're cutting in on this letter on the life of Paul. And he's writing this letter to Timothy. And as he's writing this letter, we're getting his frame of mind. Now, he's been imprisoned. He's in Rome. The prison that he was in was a house. But then he is condemned. And the, he goes to a prison. They, they got tired of him being in a house. By the way... Um, uh, this isn't in the Bible, but it's tradition uh, that they had to rotate Paul's guards because uh, if they would stay with him too long, they would be converted to Christianity. <laughs> so These guys keep they, coming out of there radicalized. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things the guards that were guarding him at the house where he was were, were rotated rather frequently. Um, or, or they would, uh, he would convert them. Um, but once he is condemned, 
uh, he is sent to a Roman prison. Roman prisons back then were these things, these little tiny rooms that were subterranean, that uh, the floors were lead-lined. Uh, the, the, also, the floors were at an angle uh, like this, and being lead lined, you could have the you, you, the hole that they lowered you into them with was covered up, so you were normally dark. Uh, you didn't get to see things unless people came and visited you, and and they would and and you only got fed unless people came and visited you. Um, down at the end where it finished sloping, uh, led to the aqueduct that would take water away from the city of Rome. And what would happen is if you got forgotten down there, you got forgotten, uh, the lead would eventually kill you. And as your body emaciated and got small enough decomposed. and decomposed, yeah. there was a little slit before it went in or unless the aqueduct came up and in, sometimes you could drown depending on that. But normally your body would roll by gravity downhill and eventually you're done emaciated and your remains would just go into the aqueduct and you would be washed away. I mean, that's what the Romans did to people. Wait, so you're telling me that Rome did not have a robust prison system that rehabilitated <laughs> their... It was robust, but it didn't rehabilitate. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the point. Yeah. Okay, you, you went into their prison system to die. And... Um, but eventually Paul did not die that way. He was beheaded, but that's where he was put. He was removed from the house. Once he was convicted of his crime and his crime was uh, high treason to Caesar um, because he had someone who was higher than Caesar in his life. Um, that, that, that was his crime. So he betrayed um, the, um, it's not the throne, but what do I want to say? The leadership uh, of of Rome, um, so that that's what ended up happening to him. He's beheaded, so he's been convicted of his crime. He's put into this into this pit, if you will, um, that the you either die and go out the aqueduct, or eventually he's beheaded. Um, he knows that he is convicted, and so you've got this guy who has totally given his life. And dying is okay to him. He's already died once. <laughs> Death is is not a fear, but he has really entered into suffering. You know, I died. Okay, once. I said something funny. <laughs> what is it, you know, I died once. What you wait? What? Yeah, he what, died. What once. happened with that? Didn't take. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, God sent me back. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I wish you would hurry up and kill me again because I'd really like to go back. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you can't. You, to somebody who has died and come back, you can't threaten them with death. I, I mean, in fact, Paul even writes and says, you know, to die is gain. You know, I, I got to live. I got to finish what God has sent me here to do. Well, that's why, the reason why I want to live. Yeah. But if you kill me, I, you know, it just means he said my job's over and I can come on home. No fear. That's 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 incredible. I mean, what and the fear that, is gone though because he's fear. already been there. See, our fear is the unknown. We don't know what's on the other side. But Paul's been over there. He knows what it is. Ain't no fear now. 
threaten me with death. He's even, Dare you. He's even more annoying since he died. Exactly. <laughs> it's even more annoying, you know? So, but the suffering that he's starting to go through is starting to press upon him. The lead poisoning is a starting to affect his vision. Uh, at the end of one of the other letters, he, he says, you can see with what large letters I write with because it's dark and in, in this place where he's trying to write and he's trying to communicate. And the big part of the suffering is a big part of his heart because he's still wanting to share Jesus Christ. He's wanting these places that he's started to grow and to know that they're okay, but no word is coming back to him on, on how all that is going. So he has these friends that come to him. Timothy is one of them. And Timothy comes back and forth. And Antiticus is another one of these friends that he sends out. And another one is Demas. And he counts on Demas to go to these churches, their fellow workers, which means Demas has actually spoken about Jesus Christ. But now Demas has watched them put Paul in jail and, and has watched him go from the house into this other jail and something went inside Demas's head and said, what am I doing all this for? What, what, what's the purpose? I, I spent my life doing this and the guy I've been following working for, and we prayed for Jesus to set him free. And now he is rotting in the lead line prisons. I don't know if he's ever get out or if he's going to die with the lead poisoning. He's going blind from it. What have I been doing all this for? You know, it's kind of funny as you're saying that I was thinking about some of the experiences that I've had in the United States military. And it doesn't okay. it doesn't matter what branch of like special operations that you go into. They all have uh, an assessment and a selection type of event that you have to go through uh, in order to train into and become part of the brotherhood, right? That is special operations or whatever. And during this assessment of selection, each and every one of them have what's called an attrition phase, where it, it the main point of attrition is to weed out the people that don't have the stomach to, to go okay. on and, and do the thing. Uh, so whether it's like, during your ranger assessment selection program, they beat those dudes down in their own way. I can talk about what they do on the special forces side to do it. I know the Navy guys, if any of you guys are out there and know about it, can talk about it. I've heard stories about getting wet and sandy, you know, and, and the hypothermia training that they put those dudes through. But it's it's all no. it's all very yeah. specific because they they want to induce that level of stress so that that everybody has to go through that point of what you just said. Like, why am I doing this? Why do yep. I want to be here? Yep. Why why would I go through all this? And that's just for a a job. <laughs> that, yeah. That's just so you can do a yeah, job. Yeah, this is a life, you know. This isn't just a job. Um, right. So it's like I can understand on a uh somewhat of a of a visceral level of like what it is to go through a little bit of, of suffering, to be cold and feel sorry for yourself and to have to be like, I'm going through it, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. But, but this is like a different level that Paul and Demas found themselves in. Right. And Demas and Paul is, is going, Demas, man, I need you. 
uh, I, I got to get this word out to these churches. I'm doing the work of, of Jesus, but you come in and you bring me food and you sustain me and you keep me alive and you give me friendship and you give me hope. Yeah, I'm not afraid of dying. What I am scared of is that church that I started in Thessalonica. I'm afraid the believers aren't going to hang together. And that church over in Corinth and, and the government is going to get them and tear them apart and they're not going to hang on. And then there's that other church in Laodicea that that I started and and then there's this other place. And, and and as you keep taking the letters and that they go out to them, I am praying that these letters will find them and strengthen them. And, and, and as Satan is trying to sift them, that they have their faith in Jesus Christ and that these churches just flourish and that new believers come in. Demas, you're, you're the connection. You're the guy. Demas is looking back at, at him and going, we prayed for God to get you out of this and now you've gotten even and worse and, and now you're 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 going to die. You've been condemned to death. What Paul, what are you talking about, man? You aren't you seeing what's going on around you? What Paul, you're are you that blind? Paul, you're gonna die. And you're gonna die at the hands of the government. Paul, you and in just one day, he didn't show up anymore that lifeline. And, and I want you to catch this because it's not just we're getting ready to read to you a section. I'm going to have Chris read it, a section of scripture where one day Demas didn't show up. And I can tell you that it's probably the number one thing on Paul's mind because it's the first thing that he mentions. And then after that, there's all these other things that are just weighing down on him as he is sitting in a lead line jail, getting lead poisoning and losing his eyesight. And nobody is there to walk it with him. Can you pull up that scripture and, and read it for I got me? It right here. Here's our Bible gateway.com. So second Timothy chapter four, beginning in verse nine, Timothy, Please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Paul with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, bring my books, and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. There's a guy that knew that he was soon going to die. 
but trying to get all of that work and those workers that were around him. And did you catch it in there? He showed up in court. It's nice to feel like you've got somebody in your corner. Anybody. <laughs> somebody. Nobody showed up. So you read those couple of paragraphs that he writes to Timothy and, and that sounds, it sounds heavy, but the very thing that was the crushing blow was Demas has deserted me. Hmm. Well, he's calling it. So it's, it, it seems to me that he's calling in like his reinforcements. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, Timothy, he's putting in a call. Timothy's like a son. That's what I'm saying. He's putting in his call for his QRF. So it's like, you said that, that he's watching the clock roll down. He knows that time's at an end. So it's like, who, who do I want with me when, when, you know, time is short. I'm, I'm, you know, it's fourth and long. And he's like, I gotta have a dude, you know, I'm surrounded and I need a dude. He's calling for his boy, Timothy. You know, he's like, Timothy, come, come as, as quick as you can. Like, I and need you. So you know? here's the deal. You've called it out. Here's the deal. You see, Demas was that guy. So he's calling in he's, Timothy to, to replace. To replace what Demas did to him. Because he gave, Timothy is at the, I forget which church it's at. And he allowed Timothy, Ephesus, I believe, Timothy to go there. Um, no, I don't think it's Ephesus. But he allowed Timothy to go there to be their pastor. And that's why Timothy stopped traveling with him. And Demas took that place. And now he's writing back to Timothy to come. Please come. I need you. Because that guy that I gave that place to, he deserted me. So we talk about screw-ups, New Testament screw-ups. Let's talk to men about their metal for just a minute. Guys, I, I, I need you to consider what kind of metal that you're made with. Are you made of the metal that you made the promise, you made the oath, you know the commitment is right, you will follow it through? Or do you, is there something in there and Satan knows where it is too and he will find it and he knows what that value is and he may just offer you enough money for you to walk away from that commitment. Listen, guys, when we do this, it's an all or nothing thing. Give God all your heart and never turn away. Don't be buyable. And I don't mean viable with a V. I mean buyable. Don't let the enemy be able to buy you out. Don't know what that price is, but the best thing you can do is not even have one. And I, I, I don't know what you got to do for that. But here's the screw up. Demas, and it's all because what the world was going to offer him was better in his mind than what he was getting. And that's heavy. But how do you not be that guy? That's the deal. Figure it out. 
and follow God with all your heart. And I would say what it is is you got to count the cost of a thing going mm. in. If you mm. start down a path. Well, there's a scripture about putting your hand to the plow, right. right? And then looking back, a man who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is unfit for the kingdom. The, scri the scripture says, but you got to count the cost going in. Um, and it's really no, no secret. See, everybody wants heaven. Heaven sounds great, <laughs> but nobody wants to go through hell to get to it. To get there. <laughs> um, and the, the problem is there's, uh, and it's no secret in the Bible because Jesus tells you what you're going to deal with. You know, remember when the world hates you, it hated me first. Remember when you go through great trials and tribulations, like for my sake, you're blessed, right? He tells us. Um, mm -hmm. It's no secret that the cost of this thing, living for God, is everything. <laughs> Oh, it's high. <laughs> no, it's, it's high. No, it's, it's high, it's, baby. By by definition, it's everything. It's everything. Like, but but also it's not, which is which is so strange because I'm 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 usually reminded in times like this that none of us get out of this thing alive. You know? That's right. Yeah. So And here's the and, and uh, big irony. You ready for big irony picture? Yeah. Demas wasn't the one suffering. <laughs> hey, it's man. But it hit him. What am I doing? What, how are we spinning our wheels, Paul? Well, I'm wondering too, if there wasn't an idea of like, dude, look how bad he has it. Like what, how bad, how much worse is it going to be for me? Like I was, the, I don't that's, know. That's, you know that's legitimate. You know, that's legitimate because he loved the world, having his own life, not laying down his life, not giving up his life for the cause of the gospel. He, whatever you, whatever picture that takes, right? He had his love for that was greater than giving it all to God. Well, and that's that's that brings up an interesting point too. Is it's like when you say like his love for the world. When when Paul says here he deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Like, what does that look like? Does that look like, um, you know, he showed up with like a a woman in right in high heels and a in a red dress. You know, some slutty. It could slutty, see. Here's the thing. Like she's offered me a million dollars, Paul. I can't turn it down, and she's going to give me a house in Thessalonica and blah blah blah. Or did it look? Or did it look like, you know what, um, Paul? We were doing this ministry thing together. I think I have another ministry opportunity in Thessalonica, but it's it's a little less. Uh, Stressful, stressful, dangerous. <laughs> Maybe that church that that church is going to offer me like a nice stipend and a. Yeah, what I want <laughs> like, you. To, what does it look like? But either way, Paul's telling every you. one of those. It looks like you go every one of those. Yeah, it looks like every one of those. Here's the beauty of the scripture: why Paul didn't tell us specifically or describe it specifically what it was is the beauty because you see. It speaks to us in principle. Right. You apply the principle. Right. right. Missed by a little or missed by a lot. You missed. You missed. <laughs> you know, that's, dude, that's a hard one for people to grapple with. 
the old the old almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Shoes and hand grenades. Dude, you know, like and this this ain't that. This ain't this ain't that. No, no, it's not. And so the reason for not giving us explicitness is absolutely the beauty of this so that it, it can speak to anybody. So every picture that you gave, the answer is yes. There was something that was better offer than what he had. Right. And he wanted that more. He took a look at that. And then he looked at how he was serving with Paul and said, that, that's that's better. That ain't it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You want to wrap us up and take us home? Yeah. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's Bible's biggest screw ups, talking about Demas, a man who failed to count the cost. And when the chips were down, he walked. He, he cracked. He walked out. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that guy. Count the cost. No. Know, know what it is going in. Uh, and don't be. Don't be buyable. Don't have a price. Don't yeah, have a price. that's it. Uh, I'm, if you guys stuck with us this far, man, thank you so much. Uh, that That's a marathon, dude. I appreciate you sticking with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please give the video a thumbs up if you liked it. Please share it with a friend. Help us grow the channel. Help us grow the Department of Common Sense. <laughs> it's a good it's a good spot to be we love having you guys here yeah please uh hit yes. us up in the comments let us know what you think let us know what you agreed with what you liked let us know what you didn't agree with and what you didn't sure. like i i appreciate it and if you guys have any prayer requests make sure you stick them down in there for us uh that is absolutely and we us. will pray for we them. go through every comment every message that's that's really us so yeah absolutely uh Thank you guys so much for hanging out this week. We will see you next week on Common Freaking Sense. Stay strong, dudes.